Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Gail and I are, gosh, what are we discussing? Spring reads already. Spring books. I'm so excited. I found such good ones that I want to talk about, that I want to read. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff coming out. I feel like this is an exciting year for books. Last year, weren't we a little... Yeah, it does seem it does seem like there's more stuff. Certainly there's more stuff that I'm excited about that's coming out now. Yeah. I mean, not that you can't find good books every year, but but they're just it seems like they're particularly good. I'm particularly excited about spring. Yeah. Yeah, and I summer agree. and fall. <laughs> <laughs> Probably winter. I've been I've been tracking and there are so far that I've been able to account a hundred books that are coming out this year that are by authors that I have already read, Ooh, which I feel nice. like is exciting. Yeah. And, and I have a few of those that I'm going to be mentioning today. All right. Well, should we get into it? Hold on a minute. I'm just trying to find, like, I have a billion notebooks and they all look the same. And I had written out notes on, there were some news things that I wanted to share, and now I can't find the notebook, which is annoying. Or it's, you know, they're all, they're all these little mm-hmm. green quad rule notebooks. And I'm like, this is not the one that I need. And I don't know where, I don't know where it could have gotten off to. Well, while you're looking for that, maybe we should just do the quick update on what we're reading. Yes. Why don't you tell me what you've been reading and I'll tell you what I have read. Okay. Because it's quite a bit. Oh, wow. Okay. So I just finished uh, Woman 99, which is um, by Greer McAllister, historical fiction about a woman living in San Francisco in, God, the turn of the 19th century, maybe, who um, her sister is committed to an insane asylum and she decides she's going to rescue her. So she gets herself admitted also to this insane asylum without her parents knowing. And it's about this very uh, disturbing place where they send women who may or may not actually be mentally ill or may just have other issues. Like they didn't get along with their husband or they, their parents wanted Apparently them out that of the way. Apparently that was a thing back then. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty disturbing. So just uh, if you had lots of opinions or didn't fit in right or whatever, mm -hmm. you got sent to an asylum. Mm -hmm. That book is historical fiction and uh, it just came out last week and I just finished that. That's actually something I picked up at BEA last year. It's been sitting on my shelf for a long time. Woman 99? Woman 99, yeah. I didn't realize it was so old. I thought it was a... thought it just came out or just came out March 5th. It did just come out, but I got it at, um, like either, um, speed dating or I picked it up at the source books booth or something. I've just, I've had it in my possession for a long time. Okay. Yeah. I think it was, must've been speed dating. And then, uh, I also read Tin Man, which is by Sarah Winman. Uh, I read a number of reviews of that on sites that you and I both like, and uh, I think I mentioned it on an earlier show. It's about 
three friends in England, um, two of which are now dead, and about the third surviving friend and his kind of his memories of his actually one of the two of them are married. So it's a husband and wife and then their friend. It just delves into this relationship. It's kind of a quiet, not a very long book, but um, very poignant. So uh, I like that one as well. And I just started um, Inheritance by Danny Shapiro, which we've talked about on the show, too, which is her memoir about discovering that who she thought was her biological father turns out not to have been her biological father. So I've just started it, but I've just decided I wish I could write like Danny Shapiro. She's amazing. Right? She's yeah. a very good writer. Yeah. I really like her writing. So I think that probably brings you up to date since the last time we talked, because I didn't read that much last week. I feel like Woman 99 kind of slowed me down a little bit, So, but it's all done now. And I'm going to start some new stuff. Are you listening to anything? Well, Tin Man was on audio. So you haven't picked your next audio? No, Danny Shapiro's book is on audio. Okay. And um, Woman 99, I did in print, and I'm about to start Trust Exercise, which is actually on my list for today. So I'll wait to uh, talk about that till we get into it. I want to read that. Yeah. Okay. I DNF'd a book, Gail. Oh, my God. I'm so proud. What was it? It was painful. It was called Elsie Come Home by Susan Conley. It's about this woman who, I think I mentioned it before, it was about this woman who is an expat living in China with her husband, who I believe is like this DJ from Holland. They have two children, and she's an artist, and she's kind of struggling in the wake of motherhood, how to balance her art and her, you know, relationship with her children and how she's going to support her children and be an artist at the same time. So an age-old question for women, you know, how is it, that I can, I guess, fulfill my own dreams and be my own person, but still support my family and my children. She, in grappling with all of this, she develops a problem with alcohol that becomes so bad that her husband insists that she go on this retreat. Like he gives her a, a flyer on her retreat uh, about this retreat for a week. I think it's like a yoga retreat or something. It's clear to her that if she does not go on this retreat, that her marriage will be over. And I don't know. It's not like she's not a good writer. I mean, the writing was fine. I was just bored. Is this fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. Hmm. And, you know, so she'd be up, you know, she's meeting these other wealthy expats who are taking this yoga class. And I don't know, they just do yoga. And then she will flash back to some memory of... I don't know, her terrible drinking problem. There just wasn't enough tension or something in there. You know, it was just sort of, yeah, That I think that's it. There mm-hmm. wasn't enough tension there for me. Very quiet story. It was interesting because I opened up Goodreads and the first thing I saw was someone talking about just how boring this book was. And of course, <laughs> there are other people who like just enjoyed the quiet storiness of it all. Mm-hmm. I would get irritated every time I picked this book up because it's just like Ooh, nothing I'm is so happening. So glad you didn't finish it. I had gotten. I only had sixty pages, so I was really trying. The book was not that long. I think this was a book that I very glibly mentioned to you, like, "Oh, I'll probably finish it tonight." Oh yeah, but <laughs> but that did not happen. All right. And yes, and finally, I did a cost-benefit analysis to my (laughs) happiness and the time I could spend doing something else that it was not worth the 
hour, hour and a half that would have taken me to finish this. Awesome. I'm glad that you did that. So what, um, what did you finish? I finished The Hunting Party by Lucy Foley. Mm-hmm. And this is the one about the group of friends who every year they go away and this year they decide to go to the Scottish Highlands to this cabin, you know, this very fancy cabin in the woods where I think they're going to, yeah, they're going to go hunting or something. And so it's all about the relationships between the friends. It opens up, you realize right away that one of them has died there's some question. It looks like it could not have been by natural causes, so it seems like there is a murder. So remember, I was very excited about locker room murders. Mm-hmm. This wasn't the one for me. The characters were kind of, I just felt like they were flat. Like I was happy reading the book for about half the book because, okay, I'm getting to know the people and getting to know how they relate to each other. But I just felt like the characters just never rose above being the stereotypical, you know, rich girl, mean girl, you know, one who's quiet and doesn't quite fit in and wants to fit in and, you know, one who's sort of a playboy. Like, I wanted some more complexity to their relationships with each other and just even to them that I just feel like never arrived. And the author was also trying to disguise throughout the whole book, like you don't know who dies, but she keeps referring to them as the guest, which was super annoying. The guest did this, the guest was missing. It's just like, I know you don't want us to know who it is, but I think for something where you're going to be mentioning it to that point, you just need to, you know, there's, three women and four men or something like that. It's just like, you just need to tell us that either it was a guy or a girl that died. I mean, I'm still going to be wondering how and why and and all the logistics. So I don't know. It had a lot of potential. I just, I just want a little bit more from it. So I don't know. I was in a little bit of a reading hell for a while. Well, you know, you kind of need to go through that and then you appreciate it when you find something you really like. And then I read The Silent Patient by Alex Michalides, and I really like that. Okay. That has been all over the internet. I think it had the complexity that I was looking for. There were enough twists and turns in the story. You know, like I figured out, I figured out just enough, but there were some twists that it's just like, oh, that's interesting. And that one is about this, the general description is sort of like Unraveling Oliver, Yes, that's the one about the guy who had written, he writes these children's books, and he's, isn't that the same one? And he's I got this. I thought it was about a guy who kills his wife. He just walks in and kills his wife, and you don't know why. You're right. Uh, well, he beats her. I don't think he kills her. I think she's like in a okay. coma or something. Yeah. But he's the children's author, and then you delve into his whole childhood and why he was so messed up. Yeah. So this one is about a woman who kills, she, you know, by all of anyone's observation, she is in love with her husband. They're in love with each other. They're both artists. He's a photographer and she paints. And for whatever reason, she walks into her home one day. He's tied to a chair, I believe, and she just shoots him five times and then never says a word. So, of course, she's relegated to an asylum um, where I think she's been for six years. And this new psychiatrist 
has really, you know, he's heard about the case. He's really curious about her paintings, one of which is called the Alcestis, which refers to a Greek myth about a woman whose husband asked that she take his place with death. Like, he doesn't want to die. He doesn't have to die if he can find someone to take his place. So he asks his wife to do it. So it's all about this painting, why she's there, the relationship with the psychiatrist as he gets to know her and her case and he's trying to help her. To me, I think there's a challenge. I think one of the categories for the Pop Sugar Challenge is amateur detective. And I might use this book to satisfy that criteria because he does a lot of investigating in terms of talking to her family and talking to the gallery owners and really trying to get a picture of who she is. I think this book was really interesting too because I mean, yes, it's it's sort of a it's not a thriller because no one is ever I don't think you're really in fear for anyone, so it's more of a mystery, but it is very interesting to see him talk about like we get some pages from her diary and to see the difference, you know, this she's a silent woman. She's not talking at all. Mm-hmm. So you get to see basically everyone else in the book gets to speak for her. And that's very interesting to see like what stories are told and whether they're true, you know, when a woman is silenced. Right. So I really like that one. And I know you were sort of interested in Here and Now and Then by Mike Chen. Yes. And I like that one. Um, I didn't love it. And I think I did not love it because it got, he does get a little bit involved in the technical aspects of the time travel and aging and, you know, like what they have to do in order to maintain the memories here and there. And I thought that w- that was, some people will love that. For me, I just found it distracting from the story and, you know, like trying to wrap my brain around things that I really didn't understand. But it is, you know, like the family stuff is really good. You know, this one is about uh, and uh, like a CIA agent who's sent back into the past and his job is sort of to stop certain people from accomplishing things that can have a detrimental effect on the future. But one of his missions goes wrong and he's stranded there and he has a family. So I think... It's two weeks in his time of 2142 that they're able to retrieve him, but it's been like, I don't know, 18 years or 20 years that he's been there. So he's very concerned about, he has no choice but to go back, like they make him go back, but he's very concerned about his daughter and his family and trying to find out what happens to them and to ensure their safety, so... Hmm. Yeah, a little heavy on some some tech aspects. I mean, I wouldn't say it's overwhelming, but it definitely did, I think, interrupt the flow of the story a little bit to kind of think about those things. So when when you read it, not not don't read those parts, but just don't try to figure it out. Okay, suspend disbelief. Just say yeah. So I just want to mention that we are in the middle of our March Madness uh, bracket game. The, what did I call it? March Book Madness. We really report March Book Madness. So Nicole and I have gotten two rounds in. We are matching up uh, some of our favorite fiction against each other and then duking it out to see which ones advance. So we're two rounds in, which means two short rounds to go. And then we will crown a victor for best book that we've both read. 
So I hope that you're following along on uh, the podcast, on the blog, on Facebook. We've got, um, we're posting the brackets as they uh, emerge or evolve and uh, keep, keep uh, you know, checking back to see who wins. And also I put up our book club schedule. Yes. Which I'm really excited about. Because I know we mentioned a lot of times that we're going to be reading things, we're going to be discussing them, and, you know, the dates are always kind of vague. So now we're holding ourselves accountable, and we've got some dates up there. Next week we're going to be discussing Becoming by Michelle Obama. So I know a lot of people have read that, and if you have any particular questions or comments you want us to share or consider or ponder, then definitely leave them on the Readerly Report Facebook page or in our group or on Instagram so that we can address anything that comes up. So I'm looking forward to that discussion. And then... What's the next one after that? Then on April 18th, we have The Dreamers. And May 16th, we have A Woman Is No Man. And then June 30th, we had The Farm. All of these books are... They're new releases, but we try to set them in the month after so that you can get them from the library or buy a copy or, you know, do what you do so that you can join us for the discussions. Um, Speaking of getting books, I wanted to tell you something funny. So I went to this awesome book sale over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And instead of just looking for books that I wanted, this time I also looked for books I could swap. Oh, my gosh, Because I figured, (laughs) well, I figured for three bucks, hardcover, two-buck paperback, if I pick up books that I know people are looking for because I've, you know, I follow the Spivey Swap group on Facebook, then I can swap those for books I wanted. So, so now, I is can, the swapping separate than the Spivey Yes, group? it has its own separate thing. Hmm. So if you're not interested in the swap, you won't get deluged with posts about that. Maybe that's um, why I don't see them anymore. Yeah, you just have to just search for hashtag Spivey Swap, you'll find it. And I've already swapped like four books of the ones I bought. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I've Jail is like a book smuggler. She's smuggling, she's buying and but, buying yeah, books I'm for the spiders. <laughs> and then I also, you will laugh too, I found a few books that I wanted on my shelves that I had read from the library. So, for example, remember um, The Heart by Melis de Kieringal? That was a library book, so I found that. And I was like, for three bucks, I'll buy that and hardcover. And now it's on my shelf. Wait, what bookstore is this? This was a when I come to Washington. No, I wish it was. Oh, you were on a trip. Annual? No, it's here, but it's an annual used book sale at a big public high school near my house. So they only do it once a year in March. It's just it's a humongous sale, and unfortunately, I had my six year old with me, and he was like, he was patient for like ten minutes, and then he got really irritated because he was like. I was just dragging him up and down these really narrow aisles with like a bunch of other people that were doing the same thing I was. And he was bored out of his mind. So I mean, it's probably good. It kept me from buying even more than I would have, but it was, it was really good. So I have this big stack now of books I want to swap. So like I've been dying to read educated and I just swapped the interestings for it, like a paperback version of the interestings that I spent $2 on. I'm swapping for someone to send me the educated, which is great. You are so funny. Yeah. You'll have to keep us up to date on your biggest acquisitions and deals. (laughs) Exactly. So I did something fun. I went to the Daisy Jones and the six book launch party. So talk about that. So it was held in this 
dark little bar called Paper Daisy down in the East Village, uh, which used to be a very counterculture neighborhood. And I think they did that on purpose to fit with the 70s and the theme of the book. They had their signature cocktails. They played music from the 70s. It was all very fun. She is super personable and engaging and just everyone loves her. Everyone is obsessed with Taylor Jenkins Reads. Yeah. Jenkins Reed. Jenkins Reed, right. I talked to one woman because, you know, of course I mentioned you and how you fell in love with these books and, you know, for the last six to nine months it's been Taylor Jenkins Reed world in Gail's world. Mm-hmm. So she was telling me, because we were talking about the difference between the books and what, what's her favorite. And I think One True Loves, which I think is your favorite, was her second favorite. And then there was another one that she mentioned that was her favorite. But she was saying that the Evelyn Hugo and the Daisy Jones and the six books mm-hmm. were departures for her, which I thought it was interesting because you really liked her first works better. Yeah, I think then that's right. Then you like Evelyn Hugo. Yeah, I liked um, One She Loves and what was the other one? Uh, the other one is about, oh, After I Do. I like oh, and I think those. that was her favorite. Yeah, After I like both of those better than Daisy Jones and Evelyn Hugo. I liked Evelyn Hugo and Daisy Jones a lot, but if I had to rank them, they would be at the bottom under the other two, which is interesting because those are not the ones that get all the attention. I mean, Daisy Jones, like people are all over Daisy Jones. Right. I text Gail during this event. You know, I kept her posted and she had this Bruce Spring, you know, she's obsessed with Bruce Springsteen. So she said that Bruce Springsteen circa 1974 does it for her. That's like, I think that's the gold standard. Interesting. I have no idea what Bruce Springsteen looked like in 1974. To hmm. Google that. Uh, sideburns, bushy hair, probably <laughs> leather, black leather jacket. Okay, so my few news items. Ethan Hawke is going to be producing, I believe, The Good Lord Bird, the book by James McBride. And I think he's also going to be in it. Oh, I love yeah. him. Just going to do these really briefly. Wait, did I tell you that I saw this movie? Did, I, did we talk about this already? I don't know. What movie? Ethan Hawke. <gasps> so I had a trip out to Phoenix, and I watched a movie I'd been wanting to watch called Juliet Naked. Oh, I, I told you to go see that. You did tell me to go I see saw that? In, I saw <gasps> that in the movies, and I oh told you it was God. good. Okay, was so, so I watched good. it on the way to Phoenix. Then I got on the plane home, and I watched it again. And then I got home and I told my daughter about it and she said, oh, let's watch it. So I watched it again the same day. Three times so I in watched one week? Three times in three days. I oh watched it gosh. once on a Wednesday and twice on a Friday. I adore that movie. Just adore it. It's so good. It was so So cute. good. Oh, so cute. So well written. So well acted. So sweet. Oh my God. I can't say enough things about that movie. Did you read the book? No. I don't know no, if I'm I a Nick Hornby it. fan. Is he, that was a Nick Hornby book, right? It was Nick Hornby. Um, I feel like I see his movies, but I don't read his books. Yeah. Oh, I just, I love Ethan Hawke. Maybe I should oh try it. That's the best book. That's the best movie I've seen all year. And Have that's you all, read any of his books? I think I read about a boy like years and years ago. Uh-huh. I haven't read anything since then, I don't think. And I know he makes a lot of movies and a lot of them get adapted. And so I've seen some of those, but... Yeah, I guess I, he's maybe you, you just see his movies. I think I tried to read about a boy. 
I don't is, know. Is Juliet Naked, um, is that the name of his book too? Or is that, was, did they change the title? Oh, that book. I mean, that movie. I just, I can't say enough good things about it. I just, I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> That's so funny. I started I watching The Devil Wears Prada the other day. And I think it holds up. It was, it was fun. And I want to, I just want to watch it again just to see all the clothes. I might have to write a post about the clothes in that book. Yeah. Yeah. My inspirations. Okay. So you said that you really liked Cli-Fi. Have you heard of The Wall by John Lanchester? Lancaster? No. It's a Cli-Fi novel, I believe, that's set in London. I don't know. It's getting a lot of buzz, and I thought I would just mention it to you because you said that you liked books like that. Yeah. Okay. I'll check it out. For those who don't know what that is, that's climate fiction. Climate change? Yeah. Or is it climate, climate fiction or climate dystopia? Mm. George R. R. Martin says he wishes he had finished the books first because the series is going to be ending, and he is he still hasn't even finished the second to the last book in the Game of Thrones. That's funny. He needs to write faster. Series of books. I think the movie started, I mean, the show started and he probably got blocked or something. Because it's been years. Yeah. I think that's right. And lastly, New York is having another one book festival. I think they, you know, where you choose a book and the whole city reads it, which I oh, think... Yeah. They just started last year, and I have they picked the book yet? Americana won it. No, they're going to be announcing the winners in May. But another Brooklyn by Jacqueline Woodson, Just Kids by Patty Smith, Free Food for Millionaires by Oh Min Jin Lee, Min Jin Lee, A Place for Us by Fatima Farhan Mirza, and then the one book that I did not know is this book called Nilda by Nicholas Nicolosa Moore. So, so all of these books are potential options for that? Is that the point? Yes. These oh, are nice. the nominees. Oh, I wouldn't mind if it was free food for, for millionaires. I might yeah. actually read it. I read that when it came out years and years and years ago. Um, and I met her, and she's lovely. I never read Pachinko, and I want to. Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah, I need to do that. We need to switch. I need to read free food, and you need to read Pachinko. Right. All right, let's jump into it. Let's get into it. Okay, so these are books that are coming out either end of March, April, or May. And let's see, do I have any for June? You um, don't, but I, I do. Yeah, I've got you one do? for June. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I got one for June, although most of mine are April. So um, maybe we should go chronologically so people can mark them as they want. Um, so I'll start with a a book that is coming out at the end of March. And it is actually a collection of stories called Sing to It by Amy Hempel. And um, I felt like I'd read something by her before, but now I'm not sure I have. But for some reason, the description of this looked appealing to me. Um, They're books about dogs and relationships. And apparently she's like a very accomplished short story writer. Have you read anything by her before? No, I feel like I've heard her name, though. Yeah, she must have read something that either I gave the eye to or I actually read. Gave Um, the eye. Gave the eye. Let's see. Sing to it. New stories. So this comes out March 26th, 
And it looks like, um, you know, kind of the sort of topics I like, kind of relationshipy, domestic type stuff. It says, the nuance, longing, love, and loss. So um, I want to read this one. And maybe I'll use this for my short story uh, requirement for the every day I write the book reading challenge. I'm trying to see what it, else it is that Amy Hempel wrote that I would have seen. And I don't, I don't none of this looks familiar to me. So I don't know anything about it, but I want to read it. confused with the Maria Simple. No. Maybe that's why the name sounds familiar. I mean, no. I know you don't like Maria Simple, but... Right. No, I know. I would definitely not confuse that because I do not like Maria Simple. But that did not stop me from buying her new book. So that you can sales, swap it? So that I can swap it. Okay. So that was not a very detailed explanation of Amy Hempel's book and or why I want to read it, but it's on the <laughs> list. <laughs> okay. So I have a book called White Elephant by Julie Langsdorf. It's coming out on March 26th. This is about these people who build this obnoxious house, hence the name White Elephant, in this this small town. And, you know, basically they've destroyed people's views. Like this this house is supposedly, it dwarfs the houses around it because it's so huge and so obnoxious. And they're trying to sell it. So they end up cutting down the maple tree, like a red maple tree of one of their neighbors. And so this book is just all about the drama that ensues in this town as, you know, like people start taking sides and you get to know all the intricate relationships of of the people who live in this house and how they relate to their neighbors. You know, I think one of the women starts to be attracted to someone who is in opposition to her in relationship to this house. So it's all about how this big house, you know, like, how the neighbors start acting out against each other because of what's going on with this house and how it spreads throughout the community. So it's just, it's kind of like one of those stories, like small yeah. quaint town with lots of tension in it. And, uh, sounded good. Yeah. I've seen that one around. When does that come out? March 26th. It's oh, on Echo from Echo. Yeah. That looked good. I, I've definitely seen that pop up. Okay, so my next one is called Women Talking, and it is by, I don't know how to pronounce this woman's name, Miriam Toews, T-O-E-W-S. Have you heard anything, I've heard of her before? I, you know, I couldn't remember if I talked to you, but I feel like I saw this in the Idolvice catalog like two months ago and had this really intense conversation with my mother because I ended up looking up this is based on a true story and I ended up looking up the details of that story and it's completely crazy. So I'll let you explain. It is about a bunch of Mennonite women, eight women, eight Mennonite women who have been drugged and attacked by men from their own community. And so they band together to figure out whether they should try to escape this you know, insular community that they, they're illiterate and they don't know anything about the world outside to protect their kids from the same thing happening to them or what they should do. I don't know. I just thought this sounded really interesting. Interesting. It sounds completely bonkers. Yeah. Well, yeah. It sounds extremely disturbing. But it's gotten good reviews on here. Actually, there's a few one stars and a bunch of five stars. Well, I would think something like that is going to be polarizing. Yeah. 
I mean, women are being sexually assaulted in the night, and I think they don't at first really know what's going on. Yeah, they don't. They've been told that there are demons that like coming to punish them for their sins, but they don't realize till later that like what's actually happening because they've been drugged. Right. Yeah. So I think this book is going to end up getting a lot of attention. I think so. Yeah. It's also not very long. It's 240 pages. So this is due out April 2nd, I think. So right around the corner. Yeah. I think I'll let you venture into that first. I'm not sure if it will violate my captivity sensibilities. I mean, that's, ugh. Yeah, no, it's awful. It'll be interesting to see, like, because I read some articles about that. I probably would like to read it just for comparison to those articles, because I think one of the main points is that these, not only do the women have to decide what they want to do, but the men in their, like whoever the governing body is in this community wants to, wants to like raise money to put up a defense for the men. So it's like even more awful and insidious. Oh, that is awful. Okay. So my next book in the chronological order is The Unlikely Adventures of the Shergill Sisters by Bali Kaur Jaswal. And I read her book, uh, The Secret Lives of... No, The Erotic Lives... No, The Erotic... Punjabi Women? Yes. Yes, The Erotic... Oh, gosh. I can't think of the name. I can't say this. Well, anyway. We'll we'll link to it. Something about (laughs) eroticism and Punjabi widows. And I really love this book. It was one that became a Reese Witherspoon book club pick. It was about this woman who starts teaching, teaching these women creative writing. Like they think they're there for, to learn how to speak English, but it turns out that um, really they don't have the tools and the support for that. So she gets them to start telling stories about their lives. And it's set in the background of like these attacks that are happening against against women like them. So I don't know that it was such a good story. I mean, Reese Witherspoon picked it. So you know that it has that mainstream appeal. So this one is about three sisters, um, three Punjabi sisters, but who have, who have grown up in England and their, and they didn't really get along when they're growing up. Their mom is dying and she makes them promise that they will make this pilgrimage to India in order to like do do her last rites for her. And so one of the sisters is an actress. Another one, you know, she's a struggling actress. Another sister is the principal of a school and another sister has just, she's married well. So she's like happily married to some wealthy man. They really, one of the sisters in particular really doesn't want to go, but they've promised their mother and they do. So it's just all about them making this journey together, learning more about each other and about their mother and just sort of like one of these stories about, you know, taking a journey and getting to know your family and, you know, probably healing some of the relationship troubles they had growing up. Discovering family secrets. I mean, a book like this would not be complete without a skeleton being discovered. So I'm really excited about this. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, my next one is also April 2nd. It's called The Girl He Used to Know by Tracy Garvis Graves. This is also all over Spivey Swaps. People seem to have a lot of these, this this book. So it's about, I'm going to put this in the autism fiction care category. It's about a college student who is autistic, who um, is in the chess club and meets this boy. And I guess they get involved, even though, you know, she's 
got sort of her own social issues, but they have this great relationship, but then something happens and they break up. So a decade later, they end up reuniting or running, crossing paths again, and then they have to figure out, you know, can they make it work? I don't know, maybe this will be a little light, but it just looks really sweet. And the name of that book was Erotic Stories for Punjabi Widows. Oh, that's right, for Punjabi Widows, right. I knew there were some kind of widows or somebody. Yeah. So I want to read this one. This looks sweet. So my next one is a book called The Confessions of Franny Langton. Ooh, I got that in the mail the other day. Do you think you're going to read this one? No, I don't. I don't know. It just didn't look like it was going to make it high up my list. It was written in like this. I don't know. It just, yeah. Why don't you describe it? Oh, you flipped through it? So it's The Confessions of Franny Langton. It comes out May 21st. It's by Sarah Collins. It's set in, it has two, it's set in, like, on this Jamaican sugar plantation, and it's set in Georgia and England. And it's about a servant and a former slave who who are accused of murdering her employee and his wife. The comparisons for this book were ones that I really liked, Alias Grace by Margaret Atwood, the Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead and The Paying Guest by Sarah Waters. Um, it's a courtroom drama. This woman, she's accused of these crimes, but she does not. She does not believe that she doesn't remember committing them. Like she can't recall what happened. So you know, all these things are being said about her. She's not sure what happened that evening. So it, you know, it's about the unfolding of this story. And I read an essay by the author because I was just curious. Because, you know, like, I don't know. I'm very particular about slavery novels. But she wrote this really interesting essay about how a lot of slave narratives are so concentrated on the urgency and the emergent and the emergency of the situation that they present situations in a way where you really don't get to see people's humanity. You know, it's, it's usually about a cause or proving right or wrong. So she talked about her influences growing up. And um, I don't know, she just wrote the way she wrote about this and sort of the way I think about how slave narratives are usually written and why I'm picky about them really resonated with me. So I'm curious to see what she does with it and whether she is able to do what she, I think, set out to achieve. And I think the comps that they give this book are all books that are very the themes that they have approached have been really nuanced so I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to it it just does sound a little bit like Alias Grace from what little I remember of that book so what's next so my next one we've both talked about a little bit Trust Exercise by Susan Choi that comes out uh, April 9 and it is what happens when a first love between high school students is interrupted by the attentions of a charismatic teacher. American suburb, early 80s, children, students at a highly competitive performing arts high school struggle and thrive in a rarefied bubble. So, I mean, what's not to like, right? Um, I have this book in the house, and I think I'm going to maybe start it tonight. Ooh. Yeah. I want to read Trust Exercise. That just sounds really good. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, I'll report back on that one and let you know how it is. 
Okay, so my next book is called Patsy. It's by Nicole Dennis-Ben. It's coming out on June 4th. I am super excited about this because I read her first book, Here Comes the Sun, and I really liked it. Um, She tends to write about Jamaica, and this one is a little bit different. That uh, Here Comes the Sun was set in Jamaica, and it was basically about the lives of these three, four women who are trying to make it in a world that is very misogynistic, and um, some of them have lesbian relationships, and it's very homophobic. So this one is set in the United States. It's about a woman who is finally getting a chance. She gets a visa, and she's able to join this woman who she's been involved with, leaving her mother and her daughter behind. And so she's really excited about being here, being able to be with her lover in a more open way. I think she's been told a lot of things about what it would be like to be in the United States. And she sort of comes to an awakening about what the realities are. Like there are things that are still problematic. Um, She's undocumented. So she ends up working, I believe, as a bathroom attendant and as a nanny. So things are not quite as, you know, the grass is not as green as she thought it would be here. And it's dual perspective. So it's also about the daughter who is coming to grips with her own sexuality and her own identity and and coming to terms with the fact that her mother has abandoned the family. You know, I just, I loved her first book. I was going to read anything, anything else that she wrote. And it's Patsy. I really want to read that first one. Here Comes the Sun, right? That's what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really want to read that. You should. It's yeah, okay. I know. I, I, I may have it in my house. I can't remember, but I definitely had that on my, on my list for a while. Uh, okay, so my next one is called The Mother-in-Law by Sally Hepworth. It comes out April 23rd. And it's about a woman's relationship with her mother-in-law. And she knows that her mother-in-law, who's polite to her, they're never going to be close. And then, um, so it's just kind of all about this relationship. And then now the the mother-in-law has killed herself. Or has she? Like, she's left a suicide note, but it's unclear whether she killed herself or maybe she was actually suffocated. So, um, I mean, it's got like some thrillery elements to it, but it also has family relationship type stuff to it, which I thought looked really good. It's gotten great reviews on Goodreads. That's really interesting because I think of her as like a lighter domestic. I mean, if it has thriller aspects, I don't know if I think of Sally Hepworth that way. Hmm, mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah. Compulsive, engaging, addictive story. Although some people don't love it. Some people think if you actually are looking for a psychological thriller, you might be disappointed because it's too late for that. So we'll see. Right. Yeah. Might be right up your alley. Nice little mix. Yeah. Yeah. Not too tense. Yeah. Okay. So this next one that I'm about to mention, I thought of you, Gail, because the uh, comparisons for are the couple next door, the woman in the window and Eileen by Otessa Moshe. And it's about, it's by an author that I've read before because I read The Dinner by Herman. I don't know if he's a Koch or a Koch. I'm not sure how he pronounces his last name. But anyway, so this book is called The Ditch. And it is about this mayor 
The mayor, I believe he's the mayor of Amsterdam, and he's at a New Year's reception where he sees his wife, like, toss back her head and laugh. And this sets off something with him. You know, like, previously he wasn't really present with his family when he was home. He was on his phone. He was busy. But after he sees this one act, he becomes, like, super attentive and super interested in what's going on because he thinks that something's going on and he's always trying to prove something. And, of course... His newfound, I guess, attentiveness and loyalty to his family produces some problems. And it's just all about his, um, you know, what's going on with him, his possibly unraveling and undermining his marriage. That sounds good. Yeah. So he writes pretty dark books. The dinner, I mean, they're they're well written and and you learn a lot about a, a lot of different things. His characters aren't necessarily, these are not, probably not going to be very likable people. Like, I don't, I won't judge this one, but I know in the dinner, uh, you sort of just low-key hate everybody, but it was, they're just really compelling books. Hmm. So, this comes out yeah. on June 11th. That sounds really good. Did you see the movie, The Dinner, with Richard Gere and Mm-mm. other uh, people? Did I see that? No. No, I didn't. I know I know what you're talking about, but I didn't see it. Okay, so the last one for me is called The Summer Demands, and it is by Deborah Shapiro. It comes out in June, on June 2nd. And it's about a woman is about to turn 40, and she's just had a miscarriage. And she inherits a summer camp that she used to go to, and she and her husband move on to the property, and they're going to revitalize it. But they realize that there is somebody living, squatting in one of the cabins. And the two of them start spending time together. And it's kind of all about this relationship and about this summer at this camp. And it just sounded kind of cool. Hmm. Is this her first book? It says a smart and accessible summer must read to be devoured in a single sitting. Oh, look at this. She went to Brown. Um, she <laughs> wrote a book in 2016 called The Sun in Your Eyes. Mm, I had heard of that. Yeah. So it's like, it looks like it's her second book. But uh, yeah, this just sounded kind of cool. All right. So, so atmospheric. My last book is by another um, author I've read before that I really like their work. Joe Baker wrote Longborn, mm-hmm. which was... The Pride and Prejudice, uh, I won't say retelling, but maybe remix about the servants who lived, you know, everyone who was serving the Bennets and what their lives were like. So you hear some about the Bennett family, but, you know, it really is about the servants. But I just really loved her writing, and she has a new book out called The Body Lies. And it's about a woman who accepts a job at a university in the English countryside, in like the remote English countryside, I think she's trying to, says she's fleeing from a violent assault that took place in London. She's a single mother, so she gets settled into her life, but she's teaching creative writing, and I guess some tensions begin to come up in this creative writing class, like there's these debates, debates about the violence against women, and There's just a lot of tension there. And one of her students starts to write, he starts turning in work that seems like it is about her. She recognizes herself as a main character 
and increasingly terrible things are happening <laughs> to her in his work. So it is all about her trying to figure out what's going on and, and of course, trying to escape whatever like horrific fate he seems to be writing her into. The comps for this were The Witch Elm and The Lion Game, both books that I really loved. And they say about her that she never writes the same book twice. And I, and I believe that's true because she has a couple of other books out that I would have loved to have read, but of course have not gotten a chance to yet. But I'm going to make The Body Lies a priority because it sounds really good. It says it's cat and mouse and we'll have you checking the doors. Ooh, sounds stressful. So, <laughs> All right, well, lots to look forward to and a lot of variety there. That's a huge list of really different types of books. So we'll link to all those books in the show notes. And we thank you for listening to this episode. Um, please, please, please take a second, go to iTunes, leave us a rating. If you have more than two seconds, leave us a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. And um, keep watching for the um, next round of the March Madness and also for our book club discussion of Becoming later this month. So until we talk again, happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com and you can find me, Gail, blogging at Every Day I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com and Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusesblanket.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time.